Ignition sequence start. Five, four, three, two. This is the Breaking Barriers Podcast. The conversation about changing the narrative for boys and young men of color in Western New York. Let's go. What's up, y'all? We back for another podcast. This one, this one is exclusive and it's personal. You know, one of Buffalo's very own, Mr. Jason Roll. How you doing? I'm all right, man. Thank you for having me. Appreciate yeah, it. we it's, it's a pleasure to have you. Um, we definitely got a lot to talk about. Sports right now is under siege due to the virus, and we we can't do it. You know, contact. It's too much contact, too much physical work. So. How are you doing? You know, you you have an extensive, a very extensive basketball background, and you just like your livelihood is just put on hold along with everybody else. I'm I'm well. Um, are you well? Yeah, I'm well, man. I have my health. I have my family. <clears throat> Excuse me. Those are the things that matter, you know, for me. You know, when it comes to a sport, when it comes to a sport, for me, as long as I've done it, you know, I enjoy it. I miss it when I'm not around it, but you know, it could be worse. Right. You know, there's 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 people who lost loved ones during this COVID. So so I don't during this pandemic. So I don't want to downplay and, and and say you know I'm in this this funk or anything like right. that. That's that's not the situation for me. Mm. Um, you know, again, I have my health, I have my family, and when it's time for me to get back in the gym, I will. I'll be there. Agreed. That's a nice answer. Nice answer. <laughs> uh, where did you grow up, my guy? You know, you know, we grew, we know you grew up in Buffalo, but what part? What part of Buffalo did you? Grace, Cold Spring. Oh, Cold Spring. Yeah, I'm Cold Spring. Oh, Cold Spring. Shout out to Cold Spring, yeah. Butler area. Yep, yep. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Butler, Ferry, Wollers area. Grew up on Ada, um, you know, around the corner from the from the infamous GGs. So, you know. Oh, you was right yeah, there. Yeah, I'm born and raised right in the jungle. I'm there. Ah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm there. <laughs> That's dope. So, growing up, right, as you called it, the jungle. It's a lot of distractions, a lot of obstacles growing up. And me personally, I grew up in the Fillmore area, so I know how it is having to have to dodge your way out of situations and keep yourself. Literally sometimes. Yeah, 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 literally. Dodge your way out of situations and keep yourself planted is hard. And you've, you know, you've came above that and you brought yourself to the point to where you are now. And what motivated you? To want to strive for greatness, I, knowing the surroundings. Yeah, I was fortunate. Um, I had great people around me, and that other life never—I was never attracted to it. Um, and I feared consequences, and I'm still like that. I feared what my father would say. I feared what my mother would say. Um, they didn't have to tell me not to do it, right? Simply because I just knew that was wrong. That wasn't something that I wanted to be a part of. That wasn't something that 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 seemed like a good thing to do. Right. On top of and I just had this conversation recently. The, the the OGs in the neighborhood, the people that were doing certain things, kept me away from it. Mm. They separated me from that. So when I would come home, you know, even after school or, or when I was in college or, or, you know, in high school, and I wanted to speak to them, they made that conversation quick and literally told me, get out of here. This ain't for you. This ain't for you. This ain't what you need to be around. Mm. You're not one of us. You're not like this. And I wasn't trying to be like them. I just wanted to speak. Right. You know, we all from the same neighborhood, but they knew the dangers of it and they kept me away from it. Mm-hmm. On top of, again, I went to the Maston Boys and Girls Club. Having that rec center and having Garcia Leonard, Kelly Funderburg, Steve Aiken, the, the guys that were inside of that center, mm-hmm. they also 
you know, were like mentors to me and kept me out of kept me out of trouble. Or I shouldn't say kept me out of trouble because I didn't want to do it, but they made sure I was staying on the right path. Right. You know, a lot I heard you say OGs. Yeah. Um that's gone, sadly. That's gone. You know, a lot of our OGs are not there to be present or to give us the day to day, you know, what to do, what not to do material. When you were growing up, they were there. They was present. Like you said, they was actually caring about, you know, the stuff that you heard. They weren't just putting their business out there so you could hear it. And all of that over the time has just evaporated, you know. And it's sad because my generation and the generation coming up will be growing into the same scenarios you grew in, but without the guidance, you know, without that push, without that motivation that, you know, you've had. So what could we do? Now that we know that the people who were there back then ain't here no more. Take what they gave us and teach. Mm -hmm. I, I think I think the OGs are still around. We're just different because we have platforms like this. We have uh, mentors in different areas. And it's up to us to get to these kids and talk to these kids and try to mentor these kids in different ways. We have to, for me, uh, one of the things that I've learned in coaching is how to speak their language. Um, you know, I always tell the parents, I know how to be 14. I know how to be 15. I know how to be 16, 17, et cetera. They don't know how to be 40 something. Right. So when there's a situation I need to get to a kid, I talk to him in his language. I can't expect him to be an adult about certain, you know, situations and certain decisions. Mm -hmm. I talk to him in his language and I found that that's been for me effective in getting certain messages across to the kids. I don't right. walk around with my chest stuck out and say, man, I played overseas. They don't want to hear that. Right. They want to know that you care. They want to know that you're there for them, that you have their back and their front. And when they understand that, you'll get a lot, a lot out of these kids. And they'll look up to you as an OG. Right. So basically it's time to you know, pass that baton, that metaphorical baton. Daniel constantly talks about, you know, we we, we as a council, the Brigham Bears Council, is all about legacy. And if we don't feel our legacy is going to be present, in the next five years, 10 years, then why are we doing it? You know, mm. but we, we, we know that it's going to stick around and we know it's going to actually make a difference. You know, right now we've been, we three years deep, almost four. And I'm noticing more and more legacy being poured into the organization. And I, and that's what we need to do within the communities. We need to start pouring the same stuff, you know, from the past into the present to keep everything moving, to keep everything guided. Because, you know, at some point, like you said, everybody got to move on. And, every, you know, those same OGs that did give you that guidance, they won't be here. So what's the next step? It's time to start replenishing what was lost. So I'm going to get on to it. So um, <laughs> the obstacles. Growing up, what were some of your main obstacles that almost stopped you from getting to the, where you are now? Um almost stop me um i think just 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 walking through my neighborhood mm. you know and and dealing with that like i said they, they didn't it there wasn't the peer pressure in terms of them coming to me fortunately again i wasn't attracted to what they were doing i wasn't attracted to doing the wrong thing mm -hmm. um so my obstacles you know i faced a lot of the same obstacles in terms of what everybody else in the hood grew up as right. but again my difference was i just wasn't attracted to it so there was nothing that they could say nothing that they can do i wasn't impressed you just by didn't it. have that mentality i just didn't have that mentality it wasn't there for me i i, I love basketball that much mm. i love 
trying to get my parents. So you would say that you used your passion as an escape? Yeah. If, if I don't even know if escape was the word because I wasn't drawn to do anything else. Like I wanted to be a professional basketball player. Mm -hmm. That's what I wanted to do. So there was nothing outside of that that was going to get in my way of doing that. So if I had to get up at six o'clock in the morning to go to the park or go to a gym, that's what I was going to do. But it was under my own influence. It wasn't, you know, again, there was people selling drugs and there was murders in my neighborhood, but I wasn't the kid that was like, Ooh, um, well, where you get that car from? I'm gonna go get my own. I'm gonna go get my. I don't. I don't want your car. Right. Now, 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 it looked good <laughs> as I'm on my bike going by. Right. But I know how you got that, and I don't right. want that. I'm uncomfortable. I'm. I'm. I'm a very. I like to be peaceful. I like to be cool. Right. I don't want to look over my shoulder. Mm. So it's not a knock on anybody who did that, but I want to go to sleep. I want to go to hoop. So for me, again, if I like, it was simple for me. So if I if I was in that life, that was going to take away from me getting to the boys' club to go play basketball or going. Uh, uh, in front of my house and playing street football Mm. with my friends. I wanted to do that. I didn't want to do this. And I felt like if I was in that street life, it was going to take away from me doing what I wanted to do. And again, I didn't want my mama mad at me. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't want my grandmother mad at me. I didn't want my daddy mad at me. My pop's crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're talking and understanding. And as I got older, my little brother's eight years uh, younger than me. He's looking at me. I got to do the right thing. Because I want him to do the right thing. So right. it just, you know, fortunately, and I, and I give all the credit to my parents, they put that, you know, they kind of instilled that in me, like, just do the right thing. Did I always do it? No, I was a kid. But for the most part, yeah, I tried to. Mm-hmm. Can I jump in? Go ahead. So, uh, Jason, you talk about those obstacles that you face, right? And a lot of those obstacles that we faced when we were coming up are some of the same obstacles our kids face now. So, um as a as a coach and a, and a mentor and someone who's a, a pillar in our community, um, how do you help deter students from you know being attracted to some of those obstacles that you didn't engage in? I let kids know they have a choice. Mm. You're not forced into it. Like I, I I let them know they have a choice. You can go this way. There's gonna be consequences for this. Right. You can go this way. It's going to be consequences for this. Which one do you want? So perfect example, we had a kid, unfortunately, get murdered at time in last year. Um, it happened over the summer. Some of his friends, you know, they were angry. Had a conversation with him. Same thing I said. Okay, you can handle it this way. This is what's going to happen. This is guaranteed. This is what's going to happen. You can handle it this way. This is more likely to happen if you handle it this way. And with that conversation, I was able to diffuse some of the anger that they had. And I understood their anger. Mm. I I really and truly did. I I understood it. And I let them know that I understood. I understand where you're coming from, but no, if you make bad decisions, you're going to have bad consequences. Mm -hmm. If you make good decisions, more than likely you're going to have good. Which one do you want? And so I just try to uh, uh, put it to them that way. And on top of, I I do my best to be there for, you know, I've had my students call me, my student athletes call me 11 o'clock at night. Had them call me seven o'clock in the morning, so they know I'm there for them. I, I do my best to sit there and let them know. Hey, I pick up that phone. Hey, what's going on? What you need? What you need? You calling me right now? You know, kids text. <laughs> yeah, you calling me something up. Right. Yep. And with those conversations that I had, have you know, hopefully been influential in their lives. And and so for me, that's how I, I handle the situation because there's only so much I can do. But I feel like that's been the most effective way right. for me so far, or for and, the kids. And that's crucial because. You know that component that that doesn't help happen if there wasn't a relationship built on the front end, right? Mm-hmm. And there's some trust that's kind of built up over time. Um, 
you know, I think you've you've established yourself as a person that young people definitely can kind of look up to. Um, with that, you know, you put a lot of pressure on yourself as a as a as a student as a student athlete to get to the levels that you've that you've gotten to, and we as 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 black men just face mm-hmm. pressure anyway, um, and that's been demonstrated by all the current events and just that are oh, yeah. t- transpiring right now. Um, talk about how you dealt with the pressure of being a black male, being a black male that had aspirations of um, going pro. And then, you know, I think we, in Buffalo, especially my, my lens in regards to student athletes, like we don't had a lot of ball players come out of Buffalo. Wait, quick question. What does it mean to be a student athlete? Like what's your definition? Student first, student athlete, athlete second. Hmm. In the, you know what I mean? Like it's, in the actual, <laughs> it's in the actual word. Student first, athlete second. That's why okay. I'm specific when I talk about my kids and I say student athlete. because And and, and again, they know this. I stress this to them. I stress this to their parents. Um, put your academics first. Mm-hmm. Put your academics first. Uh, one of the things, one of the sayings that I have with my kids is that your first day at work is going to be longer than your last day on the job, on the court. Mm. Um, and they understand that. They understand exactly what I mean. Like you can you can play ball. I was fortunate enough to play for fifteen years. A lot of my kids weren't even fifteen years old when I started coaching. <laughs> and so with that, they understand. I'll say, look, I've played fifteen years. That's as long as pretty much you've been living. Right. It's over. It's over. What do I? What, what do you? What am I doing now? I'm coaching. I'm doing certain things. But I want to set them up for life without a sport first, first, and then okay, you can managed and, and try to finagle or whatever it is that you're trying to do. The life expectancy of an athlete is three, four years. So I was fortunate to play 15. It's blessed. 15, that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. So I get them to try to understand, like, it, it's going to happen. There's going to be an end game. Be prepared. No matter, it could happen tomorrow. It could. Ha- I have a kid who, 6'7", the literal world, played for me last year towards ACL, never touched the basketball again. Never touched it. Never touched it. And that was his own choice. But... I think that injury took a lot out of him. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had a lot of conversations, but you know, again, he's a barber, he's in trade school, he's doing well now. Mm-hmm. So he understood, okay, even if I don't play, I still have, a I career. still have a career at something. So now you mentioned he towards a- athlete. Oh, my bad day. I know you <laughs> ready. Let me get my question out. Like, like. <laughs> no, you know, today I'm, I'm feeling still it. took it from me. Right. Yeah. Still took it from so, me. So today, uh, man, so you talked about him t- tearing his ACL. Let's talk about trauma within sports. There is a lot of trauma, not, not just physical, but mental trauma. Mm-hmm. How do you deal or cope with the mental trauma from a sport? Do you pull off or do you work harder? It, it's tough. Um, it depends on who you are and your love for the actual game. So for me, I was my first two years overseas. I played in five different countries in, in a calendar year. I played in Cyprus, Israel, Poland, Argentina, France. Mm. And it was a split second where I questioned whether or not, okay, is this what I want to do? Then I realized this is my passion. This is what I love. Everybody, right. Everybody's not going to like me. You know, in terms of playing, I, okay, I just need one team, and so my right. my love to succeed was bigger than my love, you know, than than, than my love for failure. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's really right. what it was for me. So it was like, oh, I'm gonna keep playing, and when I play, I'm gonna get on the court, and I'm a I'm a handle mine. Mm-hmm. I'm a handle mine. I'll be fine. Now I will be honest. The toughest part um, 
was when I retired, because um, it hits you. It hit me. It, mm. Like I, I was good. I knew my last season was gonna be my last season. But then when it was over, it was like, okay, wait a minute. Like, what do I do next? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It was okay. What am, what am I doing now? There's no practice. <laughs> I don't have a game. I don't have right. this preparation. Like you know, I'm used to being in a routine. So for my first year when I retired, I didn't do anything. I, I didn't. I was trying to figure out what it is exactly I wanted to do. I knew I wanted to work with kids. Ironically, I didn't want to coach. I was going to ask you, how in the world did you end up coaching? I did not want to coach. It was the craziest story, man. So, um, coach over at Olmstead, Andrew Bush, somebody I played against um, in college, text messaged me one day and said, hey, you know, can you come to the gym? I want to prepare my kids. They were about to play in the sectionals. He said, I want to get some guys in, play, uh, you know, play five on five. I want those guys to see certain things. I said, okay. So I get to the gym. It's myself, Joe Licata, uh, Nick Parise. It was a bunch of guys that can that can play. And we're just having fun playing against the kids. And there was a moment where one of the kids was doing something wrong. So the I guess I got this from the father, but it was a teaching moment where I asked Coach Bush if I can stop the practice. And I talked to the kid right away, showed him, you know, what he was doing wrong. And mm-hmm. most importantly, showed him how to do it right. Right. So this was in March of 2017. July of 2017, I get a text message from Joe Licata. He had just took the athletic director job at uh, Bishop Timon. Um, so when he's calling me, I'm like, or a text message, I'm like, something, something up. Like, I don't know what it is. And at the time, I'm scrambling for a gym to try to train. So I'm like, all right, let me let me see what's going on. I don't know mm-hmm. what he want, but let me see. Talk on the phone. He said, are you interested in coaching? Dude came straight up. I said, I am now. (laughs) (laughs) I am now. Um, Took a, took a, you know, took a tour of the school. We, we bounced ideas off each other. And, you know, from there, here I am three years later. I'm, I'm very grateful for the opportunity that he gave me, but it allowed me to see, you know, it it allowed me to be a coach. It allowed Mm -hmm. me to be a mentor. It allowed me to be around these kids the way I wanted to. I didn't know that coaching was going to be the way, but, the end result is to help these kids the best way that I can. So that, that's really how it happened. It just happened by being in the right place at the right time. Wow. <laughs> I, can ask a I, can, I can ask a question now? Oh, yeah, definitely. Go right here. So pressure on work ethic. Talk pressure on work ethic from a perspective of being a, a athlete and then a, a black male. Ooh, good question. Um, as an athlete, student athlete, um, the pressure, and I, and I try to tell my kids this all the time, Block out the outside pressure um, because you have these rankings, you have people in their opinions, and what they do is they come to games. And whether you play a good game or a bad game and you see one game, they formulate their opinions. Mm. And the majority of the time, these are people that don't matter. I, I, I told my kids this. I actually told a guy who does the rankings, I don't pay attention to your rankings because they're opinion-based. And what you don't understand, although I appreciate what you're doing in terms of the coverage for giving these kids um, something, it's a gift and a curse. Because if these kids don't see themselves ranked where they think they are, they fall into a state of depression. They get upset and they develop a really unhealthy ego. And this is the stuff that I have to deal with. This is stuff that I have to. And the guy literally said to me, he said, well, you know, I use my, my my rankings based off of logic. I said, well, how do you have a preseason ranking? Then? How do you have a preseason ranking if it's based off of logic? You never right. you, you never saw us practice. You never saw us play. 
but you have a preseason ranking. And so what happens is when my kids see this, they're upset at you and you have every right to your opinion. But it affects them in a way to where now, again, they have, they're, they're starting to develop this ego and it can get unhealthy. So what I tried to do was everyone in this gym, everyone in this locker room, these other people, opinions who matter. Let's stay focused here. Because so for us, the end result was to win our league championship. The end result was to win the state championship after that, you know, win the league, win the state championship. And they started to buy into what I was saying to them. Mm-hmm. And there were people saying, oh, man, time is not going to be good this year. Time is not that. Da, 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 da. I heard it. It's my job. It's the coach. I got to protect my guys. But I never brought it into that wasn't my speech going into games. People don't think we're good. No, I think we're good. Your mama think you're good. Those are the people who matter. Your daddy think you're good. Your grandma, whoever is in charge of you thinks you're well. Mm-hmm. That, that's what matters. Now, as a black man. It's a whole different ballgame. <laughs> it's a whole different ballgame because there's there's pressure all the time in the workforce, on the court. You know, if we celebrate, right. you know, and I'll you and I'll keep it with sports. If if we celebrate, then he's cocky, then he's arrogant. But if somebody else do it, he's passionate. Yeah. Like the uh, words change. And it's like, oh, I did I literally did the same thing. It's a fist bump. <laughs> I, just, that's, I did this. That's it. That's all I did. How am I this arrogant, cocky? Like, don't put me in this box. Like, let me express myself. As long as I'm not doing anything crazy, don't put me in this box. Um, so that really was, you know, what it is in terms of a pressure on, on, on in the sports world. You know, obviously, when you step away from the court and, and for me and I'm fighting for my kids and I'm doing certain things that I believe is right, now you become the angry black man. Mm. It's a whole another spectrum. Like, when you speak and how you feel on something, now it's... Keep your keep your tone a particular way. You don't want to be angry. No, like what you said was wrong. And right. I care about my kids. I see these kids every day. I see these student athletes every day. I see what they go through. I know what they go through. I take these phone calls and these text messages and these FaceTimes. I care about helping this kid get out of here. So don't hit me with the angry black kid. No, or angry black man. No, no, no. That's that's not what it is. That's not what's going on. And this is something that is going on even when I was in Europe. Mm. You know, I you know, there's been situations where they weren't paying me, paying the team, paying us on time. And I'm sorry, I go up in the office like Ice Cube in the NWA movie. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Start like, stuff yeah, up. Like my, and I'm being honest, minus the bat. That's too far away from going home, go to jail. I won't be in jail in Europe. No, but, right. you know, I walked up in there and, and demanded what was mine. Mm-hmm. And I can honestly say I was cut five times in Europe. Wow. I was cut five times. I was never cut because of performance. I was not one time was I cut because of my, my, my ability on a basketball court. I was cut because I got deemed a bad apple because I went and fought for what was mine. Wow. It, seriously, seriously, seriously. That's but it, but it didn't bother me. I did what was right. I, I did what I felt like what was right. I got, a, I got miles of feet. I got people to take care of my contract states. You're supposed to pay me on this date. Just pay me. You expect me to run up and down the court. In prior to the expression, no, I'm not gonna shut up and dribble. That's mine. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> That's mine. <laughs> I feel you on that one, man. Speaking of uh current events, right? So uh and there's so much going on, man. I know we ain't got time to kind of get <laughs> dive into all of it. Uh talk about how you as a coach and you know, the team kind of handled the whole COVID piece because I know you mentioned that you guys were Getting ready to play states. Yeah, man. So talk about talk a little bit about that and what your um, approach had to be for your young man. I had to be honest. It was hard. You know, the, the best thing about it is I tried to see both sides of it, um, you know, the good and the bad. 
we achieved what we wanted to achieve in terms of winning the league. Um, it was the first time time in basketball I had won the league in 20 years. Kids were excited. We jumped up and down. It's a video. I'm crying. My brothers hold me, but I'm crying because we won it at Canisius, right. which is in the hood. This is where I'm from. This right. is the neighborhood that where my mom used to, you know, used to walk. Um, but obviously it became, you know, it was about my kids. My kids were excited. They were happy. They jumping up and down. They in the locker room. I'm letting them cut loose. They singing pop smoke. Like, <laughs> they literally they in the locker room going, welcome to the party and singing. And I'm looking at the athletic director in there, director of operations. I'm yelling, don't curse, don't curse. <laughs> but they enjoyed the moment. Um, and I think that was what was special. Um, you know, within a couple of days, word started getting out about COVID. And unfortunately, the team that we played was from the Rochelle. Mm. Rochelle was the first city that was quarantined in the States. Wow. So, you know, obviously my kids were, they were down, you know, a couple of days. But again, I had to explain to them. I went to school and I explained to them like, hey, this, we're, we're probably not going to play this game. Um, it's okay. We achieved something. Right. We won't be crowned state champs like we played, but that doesn't diminish what we did. Mm -hmm. And it's no one can take that away from us. We won the league. We did our job. Um, it's unfortunate that something out of our control is the reason why we're not playing. So have that approach. Just know that you gave your all when the time was there. Mm -hmm. And because you can't control it, like try to limit how angry you could be. It's, it's, it's out of our hands. There's nothing we can do. I can't go to New Rochelle and say, hey, yo, we're going to hoop. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I don't want to. Right. <laughs> I don't want to. So, you know, again, my kids, you know, after a couple of days, they, they were fine. They were fine. They were fine. All right. Nothing. Current event, I know you've been seeing everything that's been going on in regards to just uh, police brutality, uh, people that look like us losing their lives unjustly. Um, what's your What's your take on just the, the nation, things that have been going on in our city? Um, dude, I want to go so many different places right now, and I know we don't have the time. Um, I can't ignore this, man, because <laughs> yeah. we've, we've had over, it's been about what? 15, 16, 17 days straight uh, of shootings mm. um, here in the city. And it's just, you know, I just want to get your, your take and, and your lens on that because, uh, you know, you grew up where you grew up. Yeah. You know, that stuff, it doesn't go away. It still happens. Um, what's what's your take? How you feeling? In terms of what's going on in the country, it's hurtful that it took someone dying on camera again for people to react a particular way. And that bothers me because people, again, people know right from wrong. With, I really hope that things change the right way because, mm -hmm. and I'm being honest, you tearing down a statue doesn't do anything. You, you, you we need the systemic changes mm -hmm. those are the things that matter we need to get to the root yes get to the root and i've been having a lot of conversations even at school at time in about doing different things and, and you know being on the board about different things and i really hope that and i know time is because they approach me um you know i've been talking to people who want to educate themselves and i think that means a lot for me the biggest thing though is it has to keep going i don't want this to be the wave right now i don't want people to just jump on the wave and here we are we're Okay, we're going to fight. We're going to protest. We're going to do this. We're going to do this right now. I got a daughter. I want my daughter to see some change. I want my daughter to feel the change. Right. You know, I, I want her kids, kids. To, I, I want this to be something that goes on 
and on and on and on and on. Legacy. Yes, exactly. You know, I want it to be that way instead of just saying the right thing right now or making a post saying that. Like, that does nothing for uh, With all due respect, it does nothing for me because we need action behind Go it. Ahead. You know what I'm saying? Like, there has to be action behind it. So, again, you can make your post. You can say certain th- That's fine. It's not going to mean nothing. That's not that. Put some action behind it. Put some action behind it. And, and again, you don't necessarily have to be down and and and, and protest. Mm-hmm. But one of the conversations that I had with my own principal at time, and I said, hold your people accountable. Hold your people accountable. And that is what's going to make a difference. Make people uncomfortable trying to do certain things. Mm-hmm. You can't force them, but let them know, like, no, I'm not going to stand for this. This isn't right. And I think those are the things, like, that's where my head is. You know, I've been educating myself more on different cases and different, excuse me, different situations that have happened in the past. So I know more of what I'm talking about as opposed Mm. to just come from an emotional place. Because, you know, again, as a black man, I've experienced it. I've been pulled over. I remember I was playing overseas and a cop pulled me over and literally said, man, I was wondering who drove this nice truck. Wow. That's what he pulled me over for. I was wondering. I was wondering who drove this nice truck. Not a reason at all. I'm a square. Just just the reason of thought. I'm a square. I don't do nothing. I protect my family, go home, go who that like you know what I mean? Like that right. that's my thought process. But to him, there was no different. We didn't all been in certain places around here and can't get in with oh, that yeah. gray t shirt. Uh, we not doing Pumas tonight, homie. Uh, <laughs> you got a hat on? Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> yeah, don't even worry about it. All day long. We'd have been in those places before. Meanwhile, they got Jay Z playing in the background, <laughs> and the same people they told us no, they, they let, got well, in. They let well, right in front of us. So those are the things that need to like. And in, in, in one of the conversations I told, I said, "We don't want your job. Mm-hmm. We don't want your money. We just want to live. We just want to. I just want to be comfortable. I want to live comfortably. Right. I shouldn't like. I was training a kid the other day, man, and it hurt my heart. And he said it on his own. He said, "Man, coach, I was riding my bike over here, and I took my headphones out because I got worried for a second. I don't know this neighborhood. And I didn't know if somebody was going to do something to me. Mm-hmm. It was one o'clock in the afternoon. It's broad wow. daylight. And this kid, this is a real, th- like, I see your face. Like, this was a real thought for him. And he was safe. But this is what he's thinking about as he rides his bike into an unfamiliar neighborhood. Right. Beautiful <laughs> houses. Grass is cut in the front and the back. Dogs barking, birds mm. chirping. Mm-hmm. All of that went out of the window when he was on his bike to come train with me, and that bothered me because he shouldn't live. He sh- he shouldn't have. He's seventeen years old. He shouldn't have to think this way. Right. Like I shouldn't have to talk to my student athletes about if you get pulled over. This is what you should do. Should, hopefully. You have a good ending to it. This, these aren't conversations I should. I, I shouldn't be having these conversations. These kids shouldn't be living this mm-hmm. way. But there needs to be. Everyone needs to be held accountable. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and we as as black men, we should not be forced to live that way. You know, our, our sisters as well. But you know, I, it's crazy that you brought that up because you make me thinking about the situation I encountered last week. I'm at home. Um, I'm working. I'm actually on the on the phone with my suit. On talking to Tommy on the phone, mm-hmm. banging at my door. I'm like, first of all, people don't come just banging on my door. Mm-hmm. Um, car pulls up. That's uh, it's unmarked. I'm like, okay. Another unmarked pulls up. Another unmarked pulls up. Banging at the door again. So I'm like, all right. 
they're not here for me. Right. Why you, you know, so I, I take my phone. I, I go through this whole process in my mind. I'm like, what should I do? I, I'm on FaceTime with Tommy. I'm like, Tommy, I'm taking you with me to the door because I don't know what's going on. In my mind, I'm thinking, all right, they banging on my door like this. I saw what just happened to Brianna Taylor. They had the wrong house. I go open this door. They come snatch me out. You know, I need somebody to know what's yeah. going on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's crazy that I'm even thinking like that, right? Yeah. Because I know I ain't, I'm square. I ain't doing nothing. Yeah, right. Right. <laughs> I want no smoke. I want no smoke. But it's marshals and sheriff agents all over the street. I'm like, this is crazy. Yeah. And I'm in North Buffalo. Yeah. yeah. It's it's crazy. Like, one of my best friends is, is BPD. And mm. he and I, we converse all the time. Um, and I told him, I said, you're in a tough place. You, you're in the tough, and this is, I was in this wedding. This is my right hand, man. And it's my brother, my mother and his aunt were best friends. We go way back. Um, but we've had very intimate conversations in terms of things and how they're being handled or how they should be. Especially with everything going on. Yeah. Yeah. And and that's what it was, you know, and you know, I, I, I think our dialogue was very helpful. Um, but he's fairly new on the job. So, I, mm-hmm. you know, there's only so much he can do. Um, but I know he heard me and I know he hear, he hears people in, in the community. It, hurt, it it bothered me one day that I was driving home and he was working the protest. And I'm literally driving like, OK, this is weird. This is weird because this is my right hand man. And I'm with these guys over here. I'm with the protest guy, but right. I, I got love for my brother too. So right. it, was, it, was, it was this weird feeling that I have because, you know, we all could use it. All oh, cops are back. Okay. We know that. Right. We know that. So there was this, I'm with the protesters and I completely understand what they're saying. Brother, I need you to get home safe, <laughs> but don't do nothing to these people either. Right. <laughs> like it was this weird feeling that I have and I ended up hitting them that night. Like, I, I mean, I, I text them on the way home saying, Hey, be safe. And we ended up talking about it that night, man. I was like, Oh, this is, this is crazy right now. <laughs> so it's a lot of the grounds are shaky. Yeah. A lot the of feelings. Very <laughs> shaky because we're being divided. Even though we shouldn't have to, because we have, you know, personally we have family members yeah. that's on the on the team, and then we just we have ties to BPD. You know, yeah. BPD has always been somewhat what we thought a protect to serve police department that actually wanted to protect. Yeah. When all of the lights start to come out and everything starts getting pushed and pushed and pushed until literally goes over that hill and everything falls, that's when you notice. Who's true and who's not. Yeah. And that's where you're starting to really have to reevaluate who you hang around and reevaluate who you talk to on yep. a day to day basis because their thoughts are just too toxic for you to even yeah. want to entertain. Yeah. yeah. And you start to see that more now. Just like BPD, they're starting to be cautious with civilians because you know they are on high alert. Yeah. And tensions are high at an all time high. Yeah. And it's unpredictable. This summer is literally unpredictable. I don't know what's going on in the city right now, man. They, they, <laughs> it's, it's hot. Very hot. Literally. It's like on fire. Like, yeah, man. I, like I said, I'm a square, man. I go home, I go work, go train, and I come back home, man. It's, it's, it's too much for me. It's too much for my energy, man. And I ain't no goody two shoe dude or nothing like that. I just mean in terms of like when I come outside, man, I want to be peaceful. Right. <laughs> what do you feel is stopping you? From having that peace that you want. Oh, I get my peace. No, you get it. I'm in control. (laughs) (laughs) You heard that. (laughs) He get his peace. Because like again, like 
what's right and right is wrong is wrong. If I'm not attracted to that, mm-hmm. or, or more importantly, if that ain't for me, and I know this is wrong, like I'm not going to jeopardize not being able to see my daughter, not being able to pick up the phone for my student athletes. That's mm-hmm. like that's how I think. I if I if I make this promise to be there for you, <laughs> I'm going to own up to it. Right. So I'm not going to do anything. There's a fight going on. And, and I know that fight don't have nothing to do. And here I am running over there. You know what I mean? I'm not going to be in a situation where there's a gathering and that gathering is unhealthy. I'm not going over there. I don't want to do that. That's that's not for me. It's not a knock on anybody. who. If that's for you, that's for you. Stay away from me. I'm staying away from you. Stay away from me. So, you know what I mean? Like, I'm going to get I'm I'm gonna get my peace. Like, I'm, right. I'm going to be fine with it. Like, I'm not. You're not going to control me being happy. Mm-hmm. That's internal for me. And, and, and that's just how I am, which kind of goes back, ties into what I was saying as a kid. All of these guys were doing different things in my neighborhood. I didn't want to do it. Your mind is elsewhere. Yeah, I didn't want to do it. I wanted to be a professional basketball player. I wanted to play in the NBA. I wanted to get my mother the big house. I wanted to get my mother. My mother wanted a chocolate brown Benz. I wanted to get that for her. I wanted my brother to be able to have whatever he wanted. And my father to get like that. That's my thing. So if if you know me, when I'm locked into something, uh, you ain't taking me out of it. Ton of vision. Yeah, yeah. That's it. That's it. It's, 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 if this is what I have to do to go get it healthy in a healthy manner, then that's what I'm gonna do. So I know you mentioned uh, your daughter. Mm-hmm. So uh, you know I'm a dad too. So I, I get a girl dad all day yeah, long. Yeah, yeah. Right. <laughs> um, talk about what it meant to you to become a father and how it's changed you. Wow. Um. She's first. She's first. First and foremost, whatever, <laughs> whatever she needs, whatever she wants, she gets. She's only a year, but it's just <laughs> something. It it does something, man. It's it's hard to explain. I've never been, you know, openly emotional about. Right. I don't care now. It's like <laughs> this. That's my daughter. I'm a dad, yo. I'm a father. So for me, I'm a protector. I'm a provider. I'm the first man she's gonna love. Right. So I can't abuse that trust. I have to be open. I have to be honest. I have to lead by example. Like that's what it did for me. On top of the mother of my child, I will say this: um, my appreciation for her grew watching her go through the things that she went through. Um, you know, as a man, we in and out. We, you know, we got to provide. You know, that's mm-hmm. what's in our head. Right. But watching her be a vessel for our daughter was an amazing thing for me to see. Amazing thing for me to witness. And again, my appreciation for her just grew. And I'm like, wow, like, this is awesome. My daughter's talking now. That ain't me. That's her mother. That's her mother. Like, I'll be honest. That's her mother doing that, man. I walk in the door. Dad, dad. Oh. Like, again, like, it, it does something different when you walk in the door and there's this little human looking at you with this look in her eyes calling right. you daddy and reaching for, like, it just changes you, man. So, again, that tunnel vision kicks back in. Now mm-hmm. it's on super high orange alert right now because now <laughs> – I'm not doing anything that I can't go see my daughter. Like I'm not. And this is just how I am. I don't, I don't want to be in a situation where I can't do what I need to do to take care of home. Yeah, I get that. Yeah. Man. My baby, she's seven, man. I'm glad I'm not in that infancy stage though. That, uh, <laughs> that, that infancy to Tyler stage was a trip, man. man. This is, I love it, man. I love it. Like she, she got a personality. She got an attitude of her own. 
You tell her what to do, or at least I tell her what to do. She look at me like I'm crazy. So <laughs> mama tell her what to do. She listen right away. So what was this? No, that's crazy, Jay. I don't know about that one. So, Jay, you ain't doing something right, man. Oh, usually, man. usually listen. the dads come in oh, and say man. something, and then the mom's like, yo, why she listen no, to you and not man. me? Something, something done happened, man. My keys was missing in the house the other day. Where's your key? Where's the keys? Dada. Dada don't have the keys. What are you doing? <laughs> why you throwing me under the bus? <laughs> so I don't know what I'm doing, man, but it don't sound like she gonna give it up though. <laughs> All right, man. I know uh last uh current event question. Okay. Finally, you know, I gotta ask this because you you know you're a hoop star. So NBA is on the uh on the horizon, mm-hmm. hopefully, finally. Uh, what's your thoughts on how NBA has handled COVID and are you excited about the season starting up soon? I thought they did a phenomenal job shutting it down. Um, when, when Rudy Gobert got sick um, and they shut it down right away, I thought that was, I thought that was the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, with the numbers being what they are in terms of, I don't, I don't know the exact numbers, but I want to say like two dozen people have, have, have gotten it um, since they're kind of bringing it back in. Kind of expected the numbers you know, I don't, I don't want to say high, but I expected players to have it being that everybody was gone from each other for three months. If they can do it in a way that everyone is healthy and, and keep everyone safe, then I'm all for it. Um, one of the things that I've been watching is the basketball tournament that's been on ESPN, uh, the, the million dollar cash out tournament. And I just think they're doing a great job. They're testing players. If, if a player tests positive on your team, they send the whole team home. Because they don't want the risk of getting everyone hurt. You know, they keep everybody in the bubble. And mm. I think that's a great idea and a great way to handle it. And obviously, as a high school coach, I'm studying it that way. You know, maybe I can go to, 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 to my school and talk to them in terms of having our season. If this is the route we can take. Um, in terms of who's going to win it, I don't know. It's wide open to me because there's no home court advantage. All right. Everyone's playing in Orlando. You're all at Disney. So it's, and no fans. No fans. Well... I, I'll I'll get to that in a second, <laughs> but there um, to me it's just a matter of who gels, what what team can gel the quickest and mm-hmm. stay the healthiest. I think that is what matters. Now, as terms as the fans go, it's funny with fans. You don't hear them after the first minute. Okay, you, you don't hear them. And one of the things, one of the expressions I've used, or one of the analogies I've used, they sound. You know, we all grew up a particular way, so we all know what a box fan sound like. It just sounds like this noise that's just going over and over and over again. The while you don't hear it. You feel it, but you don't hear it. That's what the fans experience is like. For me, you know, I, I you know, I've been fortunate enough to play in a lot of big arenas and I've been fortunate enough to play in small arenas. But you don't hear the fans. You just hear noise. You just hear no it's just one big noise because there's so many other things that you need to focus on. Mm-hmm. I got to run the play, I got to play defense, I got to shoot, I got to score, I got to cater to his ego, I got to cater to his ego, I got to listen to the coach. You don't really hear the fans until you let them in. You'll feel the energy. So I think that may change a Momentum little bit. Yeah, yeah. Like you'll fit if you get a big play and you get the crowd go. Okay, the energy may sh- you know the energy can shift, but as far as the actual hearing people hearing the like for me, I I, I didn't hear them often. You know, to sit there and say I didn't hear them at all, I'd be lying. But I didn't hear them often because again, I just block them out mm-hmm. this is a distraction like <laughs> i'm gonna stay here on this court and i gotta take care of all of this over here so i think what's going to be different is the fan experience the, the person sitting at home because now you can hear what the coach is saying mm-hmm. what players are saying to each other if they don't cut those mics i was off. gonna say you think the players should be mic'd up i, I hope so i, hope I so want too, them to yeah. but players are but they'll cut them off yeah. but i but i want to hear 
I want the fans to hear those little conversations when guys will walk into the free throw or taking you know a big block like because that's where all the trash talking goes right. on. I, I want to, I want the fans to experience that I think that would be a dope experience I think they would have to hit the sensor button every 20 every two seconds <laughs> yeah. but I, you know what I mean I want the I, I wish the fans uh you know could could get that part of it, get that experience yeah, I'm looking. I'm hoping for like some Kobe Bryant like detail type stuff, man. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you know yeah, I mean? yeah. Exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, it's it's. I'm happy that ball is back. You know, I hope everyone is staying safe. Um, you know, because you know, I see both sides of it. Should there be an asterisk next to the season? No. Okay. Why would it be? Shorten season. Did you shorten the strike season? <laughs> Guess not. <laughs> <laughs> right? Right? The, the, the lockout season, do you take away? Is there an asterisk by San Antonio's? Nope. Mm. I mean, some people, yeah, that's a conversation for another day. Oh, whole different yeah. day. Uh, Let me say this. I don't get into a whole lot of sports debates on Facebook, so. I know. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 yeah. You don't see me on it because it's just it's too much. They're weird, man. Um, but for me, no, these, these guys work hard. All year long. And for me, and again, if you know me, I'll never disrespect another player. I may not think that he is, you know, better than me or something like that on the court when I played. But I'll never disrespect another professional. Like that will never, or anybody on the court, period. Um, So for me to say there's an asterisk by, for me, I think it's unfair to the Mm -hmm. guys that's putting in the work, to the coaching staff that's putting in the work, and the trainers that's putting in the work. These guys, how you put an asterisk on something they couldn't control? That's a that's a and that's a great perspective. Yeah. I'm glad you gave that perspective because yeah. a lot of folk are like, it should be an asterisk next to this season, this, that, and that. But why? Right. Because it's short. So San Antonio's in ninety nine, let's take that away. And I forgot there was another lockout and I think it was like in eleven, two thousand eleven. So whoever won it that year, is there an asterisk by then? Mm-hmm. No, like they worked hard. There was a pandemic. It's no out of could, their control. Yeah, so now you're sitting there saying, eh, I mean, <laughs> you had 90 days off and the world shut down, but we're not going to give you this title. <laughs> no, okay. Size me for my ring, please. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna take it. yeah, I'm going to take my ring. <laughs> do you think, last question on, on this, and then I'll leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> do you think they should have just said, just said, we're done with this season and focused on October? I'm in the middle. I, I see both sides because for a lot of professionals, this is how they earn their money. Right. Um, franchises too, the owners. Yeah, yeah. This is, but the franchises don't need NBA money. Like they billionaires. No, exactly. Yeah. Like they and and what they declare 30, 40 million. And granted, that's a ton of money, but that's not their main source of income. Mm-hmm. That's like their side hustle. Sounds crazy, but <laughs> <laughs> side hustle was I own the Golden State Warriors. <laughs> that's that's crazy yeah, to think right. about it like think that, right? Because he had to buy the team, so right. it came from somewhere, somewhere, right? Like Jordan owns the Bobcats. You think Jordan make more money from the Bobcats? Or Jordan. Or Jordan's. Jordan's. Right. Jordan brand. Right, that's right. Sure. So the Bobcats, that's his main brand. The Bobcats is a side hustle. That sounds crazy, right? Um, wow. Well, you put it like yeah. that. You know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a different perspective. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the fans need, the world needs something to look forward to. And I've always said this. There's only a few things that bond everybody together. Sports is one Sports. Of them. And music. The Bills. You know what? I'm I'm sorry to cut you off, but the Bills. I've been to some Bills games, and man, you the diversity for yeah. one is 
beyond crazy. If, if, if any of y'all ever been to a Bills game, y'all know yeah. the diversity is crazy. The crowd is crazy. Bills mafia, crazy. People, race is not even in the picture. Yeah. When, when, no, I've been. Well, look, okay. See, I'll the only reason why I say that, the only reason why I say that, okay. See, they are about to jump on it. But wait, the only reason why I say that is because you will be surprised. We used to camp out in the RV, the RV section, and you know, if you got an RV, you got money. So the people, every RV will come over to our RV and just give us food. Give us food, talk to us, have conversations about real topics. And these are Caucasian. These are people from different races. And it goes to show you if sports can do that in some beer, then why you can't do that on a day-to-day basis, you know? Because I'm not getting anything from you. You're not my entertainment. Mm. Right? Mm. And this has been going on (laughs) for hundreds of years. We all know stories. And if you don't know, then, you know, the people listening, please educate yourself about how they used to put us in cages. Mm. In a zoo mm-hmm. for our entertainment because of our body structure. It's different. But I've played in games overseas, um, Italy to be specific, and crowd was making monkey noises. And I didn't hear it. We were on the bench, my teammate heard it. I didn't I literally didn't hear it, but he said, Man, there's people making monkey noises. They're not saying it. we're not in a zoo. We're playing basketball. But he was a big uh Pedic Zoo. Big Nigerian guy, but he heard it and kind of ties in what I was saying. I had to snap him back into the game. I had to literally, I literally punched him in his chest. Now, mind you, just do six nine, <laughs> built like LeBron. He's taking all these supplements, drink water all the time, and I'm like, that's gonna cost me. But I got to get him in the game. So I've experienced certain things. So before the like, you have the Olympics. You know what I mean? So that's what I mean by it has a tendency to bond everyone together. So I understand what people need because we can high five and sit in a bar or sit at mm-hmm. home. But once it's over, it's the over. Real you really like the real you comes out no matter what mm-hmm. the real you comes out. Um, so I understand that people need something to look forward to. I feel bad for, you know, the guys that aren't playing or the guys, you know, I trained Jordan Noir who played at Louisville. Mm-hmm. Um, he stayed another year in school last year to enter this draft. Mm. Drafts has been moved for him with everything being shut down his way of trying to work out has been a little difficult. So, you know, I think about those guys. I think about my student athletes who are trying to get, uh, uh, what do you, um, scholarships, scholarships, you know, who, who had schools looking at them, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it that way. Um, in terms of the NBA, like I said, if these guys are healthy and they can play then fine, like I have no problem with the guys who are saying, I'm not going into the bubble. I don't want to play. I have no problem with that whatsoever. I actually love, I, I, I really love that the NBA gave them the option sat there and said okay if you want to come you can come if you don't want to show up that's fine too you mm-hmm. know i just hope and, and i'm being honest i hope it doesn't come back to bite them down in the long run that, that that's really what i feel because you know it's unpredictable yeah and let's call it like it is like i, I just feel like some of these owners would be like well you didn't play in orlando for me so i'm not gonna pay you this or i'm not gonna mm-hmm. sign like so I you think, feel because i've been in those situations so you feel well we did have you know, yeah, we almost did have a crash and it was almost a depression. Do you feel the owners are going to be sketchy with the money now? You know, I just saw um, they were talking about how they were thinking about cutting wages. What do you what do you think? Like, do you feel like that's that's the right thing to do at a time like this? Everything is getting cut everywhere. Mm-hmm. If you can afford to do it and it's the right thing to do, do it. It's just really that 
and I know it's not that simple, but that's just how I think. If you can afford to do it, and there's things that you can do to take care of somebody's family, you know, and I'm not talking about the guy making $40, $50 million a year. I'm talking about this lady who works in concessions. This is her only source of income. Right. She's got a couple kids. You know what I mean? Like, I'm thinking about those people. I'm thinking about the usher, the ticket taker, the the, the trainer who does it. I'm, like, that's where I'm going with this. They, they need this money, they too. They need this money. Like, uh, Patty Mills, I just saw something. Patty Mills, that plays for San Antonio, is mm. donating his salary um, to social injustice in Australia. thought that was phenomenal. So, you know, these owners can do something. They can do something. Yeah. They, you know what I mean? So I don't agree with them cutting Totally, but I understand the business side of it mm-hmm. because if you're not on TV, you're not receiving your revenue you're not from making it. as much. Yeah, so you know I don't want to be so selfish and sit there, man. And they should do. It. But if that's why I said, if you can do it, make sure you're taking care of the people to help you. Right. You made me think about something else. Let's go. I know we keep. <laughs> I keep trying to get us off of here, but I, I can't. Um. So the players that have been vocal about the injustices that are taking place all over, um the world right now right those players how do you what do you, what's your thought process on yeah we're happy sports is coming back nba is coming back but is it going to take away from everything that all the conversations that are happening right now i don't think so um there's little things being done as far as i shouldn't say little things that's the wrong thing to say there's things that are being done um as far as the names being on back of the jerseys but what i found out yesterday is that the nba gave them a list of things they can put on the back of the jersey. Eh, I don't know how I feel about that. Exactly. Let me pick what I want it's to st- It's still controlled. Um, for me, as long as you're not saying anything offensive, then I shouldn't have a problem putting someone's name on the back of my jersey or a right. powerful word. You know, equality. You know, I've seen things that so have been passed. There's, there's progress being made, but it's not enough. I don't even know if progress is the word that I want to mm. use. There's, an There's things being noticed. Okay. Steps, actions being taken. Yeah, so I don't want to... As you said, it's, it's control. Yeah. It's like, mm-hmm. all right, I'll, I'll let you advocate, but I'm going to let you... I'm going to control how you advocate. Mm-hmm. Right? So, so, so I'm going to cut you off yeah. in two minutes. Yeah. So, but think of it this way. When the NBA, the WNBA started first with Andrew McCautry, right. when they announced that they were going to have names on the back of the jersey, it was everywhere. Mm-hmm. Did any of you know that they only can put certain names on the back of their jerseys or certain things on the back of their jerseys? That's no. My, that's my point. It's controlled. It's controlled. Mm. So, like, again, I understand certainly because you don't want people going off putting N-word on there. and Like, I, I get it. Right. But you have to allow people to express themselves. As long as it's not hurt, you know, again, as long as you're not doing anything offensive, then go ahead. Go ahead. Put put something that is meaningful for you on the back of that jersey because this is a platform. This is a platform. You have this platform. So it's okay for me to go sell your, 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 your product. Mm-hmm. But now when it comes to me talking about something that I truly believe in, something that I experience, and now it's a little, it's a little different because, A, it affects your bottom line, your money, mm-hmm. and you're not comfortable with it. And those are the things that are difficult for me in terms of sports and certain things, or just terms of the world, business, sports, however you want it. Those are the things that are very difficult for me um, because where's your true integrity? Mm. That's how, you know what I mean? Like, that's how I say it. Like, where's your integrity? If you sit, hey, hey, you can, you can express yourself. Use these words. (laughs) Uh, Hold on. 
How is that <laughs> expressing myself? You're expressing what you want me to say exactly. through me. Exactly. So basically, I'm your puppet. <laughs> if you allow it to be, yeah. So that's where you say you stepped in and said, enough is enough. I want what's mine. Do you feel like more people? I, I want to be able to, I'm, I'm wanna, right. I want to be me. I want to be me. I want to say what I want to say. I want to feel how I want to feel. Don't control <clears throat> how I am. I'm not going to do anything disrespectful to you. Again, my, I got to come home. So I'm not doing anything disrespectful to you. But <laughs> if you do something wrong to me, why are you mad at my reaction? Mm-hmm. How are you going to control my reaction? No, this is something you say. Hey, okay, we're going to allow you guys to talk. I mean, we're going to allow you guys to put things on the back of your jersey. Mm-hmm. But only use these 10 phrases, these 10 words. Like, come on, man. Come on, come on. So, you know, again, hopefully things continue to move in a, in a, in a positive direction. And actually make progress. Yes, yes. And we have open dialogue and more, you know, for me, the, the systemic change that needs to happen will happen. Um, you know, that's 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 how I feel about it. Cool. You got anything you want to add before we close out with uh, 20 Things with Ro? Yes. Um, I want to ask, um, you very inspirational for the youth growing up um, in the city. What do you want to tell them now that you know everything going on? What do you want to say to them that if they are listening, you know, they work as not being put to to the curb, basically. Something my grandmother used to tell me all the time was keep your nose clean. I mean, you stay out of trouble. And it's the message is just that simple for me. Keep your nose clean. Understand that you have choices. Mm-hmm. And I think those things, you know, if once they understand that, then you know, hopefully they can they can they can take ownership of their life, and not you know not be a statistic. I tell my kids all the time, like, don't be a statistic. Don't don't be the wrong statistic. Be the right one. Um, so, you know, that's really my message to the kids is just, you know, like my grandma just said, keep your nose clean. <laughs> I like that. That's good. That's a nice message right there. All right, y'all. It's about that time to wrap up. You know, I hate doing it because, you know, it's been real and I love it. But I want to thank you all for tuning into the Breaking Barriers podcast. Daniel, you know you here. You got the memory, <laughs> got the memory of like an old person over there, dude. What's oh, going on, man? Daniel. I know it's hot today. You all right? Yeah, I'm all right, man. I'm all right. So, uh, Jay, we always close out with a uh, with a segment that we added into season. What are we in? Season three? Season three. Uh, basically, we uh, it's kind of like. Being on the hot seat, I think we got the concept from one of the ESPN shows, which I'm sure you're familiar with. So basically, we're gonna ask some questions. You say the first thing that comes to your mind. Some of okay. these are multiple choice. Um, we're just gonna roll out like that. Okay. All right. Um, favorite restaurant in Buffalo? Oh. Um. Lucia. Okay. Uh, As I count, that's Hamburg. I'll let you slide, my man. I ain't say Western <laughs> New York. But all right. Um. Best pizza spot in Buffalo? I got to say Imperial. Otherwise, they're going to whoop me down in a timer. Okay. I ain't mad at you. <laughs> Imperial is definitely in my top yeah. five. Like, yeah. Go ahead, Dwayne. I hear you. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like you wanted to say something. You know, I, I'm going to bite my tongue. I'm going to plead the fifth on that one. I got to go to work. <laughs> <laughs> it's not. Mm, it's What's not your right. favorite? Nah, you done, you done been all over, so I got to ask you this question. What? What's been your favorite City to visit Istanbul, Turkey No, mm-hmm. I take that back Monaco Why Monaco? It's peaceful It's just serene It's peaceful It's sit on the Mediterranean It's like an experience Like no other for me, man Like I just enjoy Just living life there Just taking a walk And just taking a deep breath And just sitting back And saying, okay Yeah 
I feel like you guys like some Phil Jackson Zen in you over there, Jay. You always talking about peace, man. I don't want no smoke. Bro. <laughs> no smoke. <laughs> All right. If you had to pick an actor to betray you in a movie, who would it be? Denzel. Okay. That's a good lead into this. Will Smith, Martin. I already know the answer to the question now, I think. Will Smith, uh, Martin Lawrence, Denzel, okay, Mart. For what? Just pick one? Yeah. Denzel. Okay. Good. Uh, person you admire the most in your particular industry? My uncle. Okay. My why uncle, Lester Rowe. Why your uncle? Um, our experiences are similar. Um, he was somebody who came up through Buffalo, was Player of the Year, went to West Virginia University, played, and now he's a coach. And he's always, although he's my uncle, he's always been the same with me. I can count on him. Um, no matter what, if I call, you know, again, if I call him, no matter what time he's there to answer, to pick his brain, whether I'm picking his brain as a coach, whether I'm picking his brain as my uncle, whether I'm picking his brain as my father, you know what I mean? And I have my father, but there's so many different elements to my uncle that it's just, it's, 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 I love the relationship that he and I have. Okay. I know you play around with the turntables a little bit, but who's your, who's your favorite DJ? Shabil <laughs> just gave him a look. That was no, a no, you about to get beat because it's, it's different. My favorite party DJ is Kid Capri. My okay. favorite scratching DJ is DJ Scratch and Jazzy Jeff. My favorite DJ to watch on Instagram is Knife Wonder. Okay, right. yeah, that's what I'm saying. Oh. Like that goes different. Everybody, yeah, that goes different ways. All right, I'm gonna throw a wrinkle in here. Let's go. Best DJ in Buffalo. Oh. <laughs> <Oof>. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know. I don't have an answer for that one. Come on, Jay. You got to pick somebody. He's not here anymore. <laughs> Wire. Okay. I felt like Wire was the best. Right. I, I, you know what I mean? I felt like Wire was the best. Okay. Um, we're going back to the sports world. Okay. Don't let me down, Jay. Jordan. Okay. You ain't even. Because, <laughs> <laughs> you know, I've been seeing after. Uh, oh, my gosh. After the last dance came, came out, man, I was every night. After the Sunday night, I'm sitting here. I got questions with with Dennis yeah, Wilson. I'm know, like, oh man, I had to handle that. <laughs> no, honestly, you like oh, go ahead and ask the question. Let me no, that, I mean, look, it was LeBron, Jordan, or Kobe. There's something about Jordan that's like, and I was fortunate enough to play with Kobe. Mike was just different. Like you saw the Last Dance, and I understood. Like I studied Mike coming up and playing ball, so I understood his mentality. I understood what he was trying to achieve. Did I always agree with everything? No. But I also understand LeBron. What LeBron is doing is phenomenal. What he's done is phenomenal. There's different ways to lead, and I think what go and, and Kobe's the same. Kobe's a carbon copy of Mike. So whatever you can, whatever umbrella you can fit under. It's there. So LeBron is the guy that's going to take you out to eat. We're going to go paintball. We're going to do all of that stuff, right? <laughs> Mike is the dude who's going to challenge you, who's going to bring the best out of you every single time you step on the court. It is literally, uh, uh, for some people, it's a nightmare to deal with that because he's holding you accountable. Mm -hmm. Which one do you fall under? So neither one are wrong. It's just a matter of which one you fall. Now, in terms of on the court, I'm taking Mike. I'm I'm. You know, I, I like to liken myself as a as a killer on the basketball court. Mike Kobe, like those are my guys. Killer mentality. Yeah, like yeah. LeBron has his moments. It's not that he's not that he has his moments. So, and and I said this with Dennis, like you see things of you know when he played and he had you know in the finals when he had 43, 20, and twenty. It seemed like you know he has these phenomenal numbers, mm. but it's the way that he attacks the game. 
um, you know, again, against Detroit when he was younger, when he had the 27 straight points, 27, 28 straight points, you have these glimpses of like, man, this dude is special. Mm-hmm. Mike, there wasn't glimpses. It was You what, knew yeah. when Mike stepped on that court. It was so, real. Here we go. <laughs> so give me that guy. Give me that guy. Give me that guy. We ought to have been in the club before and somebody walk in. Oh, here he come. I'm gonna switch this one up. Usually we ask uh, soul food, American, Italian food, or Spanish food, but you done been all over, man. What's the what's the best dish that you've had? Risotto. Mm, where was from it? Where? Italy. Mm. Ironically, the best risotto I ever had was in Turkey, but risotto consistently in Italy is phenomenal. Phenomenal. All right. Uh, what's your favorite podcast? All up in smoke. Okay. With Matt Barnes and 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 uh, right. I can't think of his right. Steve Jackson. I like their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> so, they had some real conversations yeah. on there. Uh, best advice you ever received? <laughs> it's funny. My father, well, next to my grandmother, saying keep your nose clean. Sorry. My father understood um, some of the things that I was going through playing high school basketball, and I was trying to find my place. And I remember my father saying. <laughs> don't go to the show, be the show. And for me, my interpretation of it was be a leader. Mm-hmm. That That's how I took it. And I re- my father sat me down and he said, you know, we were talking basketball and he said, don't go to the show, be the show. Okay, I can do that. And, and like I said, for me, it was like, okay, he's saying be a leader, take control, do what's going on, be the reason that everyone's coming, be the reason that, that people are you know, um, in terms of college scouts and things of that nature, be the reason they're coming there as opposed to like, I've had conversations with kids and it's funny because now that I think about it, I said more than I think I did. Um, I've had conversations with kids when they say, man, how do I get college coaches to come see me play? Give them a reason. They're not going to waste time coming to Buffalo, New York and going to hang out at, you know, somewhere, give them, give them a reason to come here. Do something that separates you. And my kids will tell you, do something that separates you from everyone else. And you could take this, apply this away from sports. Do something positive that separates yourself from everyone else. And then there's going to be a change. So, mm, I like that. All right, this is going to be a tough one, man. Loving basketball, Sunset Park, Blue Chips, White Man Can't Jump, <laughs> He Got Game, Coach Carter, Glory Road. Or Space Jam. It's funny because I hate I hate basketball. <laughs> I hate basketball. And the one movie that I like, you didn't even name. Which one? Above the Rim. Oh, oh yeah. Oh, uh, Bernie. Yeah. <laughs> that one actually That's is funny bad. because I can actually oh, relate. Man. I can I relate to that one. <laughs> but um No, Above the Rim works. I, I totally forgot that. I knew it was somebody yeah. else forgetting um, on this one, man. I what, left out a bunch of the corny. What was the though. what was the first one you named? Loving basketball. Corny. So the best <laughs> way too cliche. I'm going Space Jam, man. It's Mike. All right. But I'm not mad. I'm not mad at the run. I would actually eh, this is like a top five question. You can't even eh. That's just hard for yeah. me. And I, again, I'm not a big fan of basketball movies. They're 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 so extra. They're, and and I get it. It's a movie. It's just tough for me to watch. Like nobody's standing yeah, there with three seconds that. to go and taking thirty seven <laughs> dribbles and staring at the clock and crossing over. Everything is just like I hate. Them. I hate them. Like it drives me crazy. In every movie, the ball hits the rim, and it goes off the back, but then it circles around the rim. Like drop to the hole. Man, we saw it happen with Kawhi last year. 
Right, right. and look how long it took for that to happen. <laughs> <laughs> it was 2019 when it happened. <laughs> All right, man. We're going to close out with these last two. Okay. Um, hi, your daughter. She only won. But uh, I guess what's your, we usually ask what's your favorite activity with your daughter. I'll ask you that question, but it's not like she can do much. Oh, or man. your favorite memory. Her being born. I figured you were going to say yeah, that. Her <laughs> being born, man. Like, it did something, man. Her being born, her popping right out, her laying on my chest, her looking uh, up at me. Like, yeah, you, you see where I'm I know, going. I know, like, man. It's a completely yeah. different feeling, man. It's totally different. I didn't want to leave. I didn't want to leave the hospital. I didn't want to go anywhere. But then I'm confused. Like, okay, I got to go do this. I got to go. I got to go eat the diapers. Like, you don't need to. You're in the hospital. You don't need to. <laughs> like, like, immediate dad mode kicks right in, man. So that's that's my, my favorite memory, as of right now, and I don't think anything's gonna change. You know, she said, "Dad, as she talks, she's reaching for things. Her personality's coming out." She shook her head no at me the other day when I was singing to her. You know what I mean? But <laughs> like, really shook. No, stop, stop, Dad. That's not you. You who? You DJ. <laughs> but her being born, man, is is that's my favorite memory. Man, and that's a that's a conversation for another day too, man. It's just when you once you experience experience that, I don't know how you can just not be present. Mm-hmm. Like, but that's that's another podcast, yeah. man. Like, yeah. 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 all right, last one. Your your greatest fear, not being able to provide for my family. That's that's my fear. That's something that just I'm extremely uncomfortable with that. Like, I feel like I need to be there for my family at all times, no matter what. So not being able to provide for them is a is a fear. Like, I, it's literally a fear for me. Uh, you never had that problem. You got le- a legit two side hustles. That right, but I never don't want to have that That's the point. That's the point. I feel you on that one, man. Jay, we definitely appreciate you being uh, here. Appreciate your time. I appreciate you, guys, you, bro. Man, this was awesome. It no definitely was. I appreciate it, Jason, for uh, coming in, dropping some knowledge and some courage and all of that. You know, he dropped the whole sauce. He flavored it. <laughs> but, hey, Dale, you know, every time you come, it's always real, and I, and I appreciate you. You know, three years strong, almost four. You ready? Season four? We all day long, man. Let's all go. right. So, thank you all for tuning in to the Breaking Beers podcast. Please rate and subscribe on all social media platforms, y'all. Including Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, and a big shout out to our partners at Say Yes Buffalo and the Community Foundation for Greater Buffalo. Thank you. We appreciate you. <laughs> ain't not much to say, but we love you and stay safe out there, y'all. The fight ain't over yet. We definitely got time to go. We out. Thank you. Peace. Thanks for checking out another episode of the Breaking Barriers Podcast. If you haven't done so already, make sure you follow us on all of the streaming platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and iHeartRadio. For more information about Breaking Barriers, visit our website at www.breakingbarriersbuffalo.org.